0: This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds and Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Find out what Reynolds is up to in the digital retailing space by visiting reyrey.com slash retail That's R-E-Y, R-E-Y dot com slash Hello,
1: and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Tuesday, March 15th, 2022. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. A few American consumers are experts on electric vehicles. Most of them are not. We'll look at plans to teach retailers how to serve all of them a little later in the show. First, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Unifor President Jerry Dias was under investigation for an alleged breach of the union's constitution prior to his retirement last week. According to a statement from Canada's largest union, it received a written complaint about Dias on January 26th and initiated an independent external investigation. Dias went on medical leave on February 6th and retired March 11th. Unifor would not provide details or even the nature of the complaint. Turning to auto dealers, 2021 was far from a record year for U.S. vehicle sales but it was the best year ever for revenue at U.S. auto retailers. The nation's 16,600 franchised light vehicle dealerships notched nearly $1.2 trillion in sales last year. The National Automobile Dealers Association says that figure was $153 billion more than the previous industry high set in 2019. NADA Chief Economist Patrick Manzi says sales were up last year across all major dealership departments. With limited inventory of new vehicles, the average price skyrocketed, and wholesale used vehicle values hit record after record in 2021. Manzi says values could peak in the coming months as tax return season stimulates demand. Speaking of higher prices, Tesla has raised its prices in the U.S. and China for the second time in less than a week. CEO Elon Musk says the automaker is facing significant inflation pressures. The increases come as costs of raw materials surge. Reuters reports that Tesla raised prices for all of its models in the U.S. by 5 to 10 percent. In the U.S., the base model 3 now starts at $48,490. The base model Y starts at $64,990. In China, Tesla raised its prices by about 5%. Meanwhile, Tesla's battery partner, Panasonic, is reportedly engaged in talks over where to put a new U.S. factory. The plant would supply Tesla and potentially other EV manufacturers with next-generation lithium-ion batteries. People familiar with the process tell Bloomberg that possible locations include Oklahoma and Kansas. The plant could begin operating as soon as 2024. Looking at EV production plans in Europe, Ford will launch seven full electric vehicles there by 2024. Among the models on tap, a battery electric version of the Puma small crossover, the automaker's best-selling passenger car in the region. The first in the batch of seven will be a midsize crossover that will go into production in Germany this year. The still unnamed CUV will use Volkswagen Group's MEB electric platform Ford says it will invest $2 billion in its production site in Cologne, Germany, to make EVs as well as a battery assembly facility. We'll have more on Ford's U.S. EV strategy later in the show. Staying in Europe, Volkswagen Group reported strong results for 2021 and warned that 2022 is going to be more challenging First, the good news. The Volkswagen Group doubled its operating profit in 2021 to $21.1 billion. Despite global vehicle sales slipping 6% to $8.6 million, revenue rose in all regions and North America returned to profitability. However, Europe's largest automaker sold 2 million fewer vehicles than it planned last year due to the semiconductor shortage. Now, the challenges are only getting tougher, Supply bottlenecks and high commodity prices, both exacerbated by Russia's assault on Ukraine, may force VW to revise its forecast for the year, according to CEO Herbert Diess. VW says volatility in the commodity markets could continue into 2026. And that's the news you need to know. Ford is developing a novel idea to train its retail network on how to properly sell and service electric vehicles, take them back to school, We'll get into the details after this.
0: As online experiences have continued to evolve, it's clear dealers need an approach that will keep them in the business for the long term. Chris Walsh, Casey Edwards, and Dave Bates, top Reynolds executives, sat down to discuss today's digital retailing landscape. Here's an excerpt from that roundtable discussion.
1: So what are dealers trying to do to get this
2: fully online and online to in-store experience? I mean, that's a great question. And honestly, it's, a, it's kind of a hard one to answer because retailers are kind of defining and using digital retailing differently. You know, to some dealers, it's selling a car. To others, it's sales and F&I. And they, they tend to be approaching it in chunks versus you know, kind of a holistic, holistic approach. And then you end up just focusing on one or two things when you need to focus on you know, more of a big picture.
0: Digital retailing is dealership operations, period. Reynolds Retail Anywhere approach focuses on streamlining dealership operations and improving profitability. For more information about this big picture holistic approach, visit rayray.com/retailanywhere. That's r e y r e y.com/retailanywhere. Welcome
1: back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. We've talked a lot recently about Ford's ideas on how to tweak how it sells EVs through its franchise dealers, how should prices be set, where should the inventory reside, but there's also the matter of how to educate and excite customers who aren't early adopters of new technologies. To talk us through the latest on these topics and more, I called up our Ford reporter, Michael Martinez, who had just returned to Detroit from the NADA show in Las Vegas. Michael Martinez, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. Just last week, you were here on the show discussing Ford CEO Jim Farley's plan to to split the company's electric and gasoline powered operations and his desire to change the way EVs are sold. Then we went out to the NADA show, the Auto Dealers Conference. What did auto dealers have to say about Ford's plans?
2: Well, there were a lot of questions I think as you can expect when you talk about changes this big, this fundamental to how they do business, but there was honestly also a lot of optimism. Uh, There was a standing room only audience in their make meeting, which is kind of unusual. You could see a lot more people than normal heading in there. And what I was told was that, there was a lot of applause when Ford mm-hmm. made this announcement. This was their first chance to personally address the wider dealer body. And they sort of said all the right things, right? That they were committed to the dealers and committed to working together and dealers like that. There's still a lot of questions, though, about how this is all going to ultimately look, how much they're going to have to pay and for what. You know, Are we talking fast chargers? Are we talking different facility requirements? Are we talking tooling and sort of how the pricing and inventory situations going to work. I, I talked with, you know, probably more than a half dozen dealers out there, and they all sort of questioned the idea to go to a no inventory model. They think we need to they need to carry fewer vehicles, uh, certainly not as many as they have over the past few years. But they wondered if zero <laughs> was the right way to go about it. And then there's questions on pricing too. Uh, Ford says it wants to do non negotiable pricing. <laughs> What exactly does that mean? And we don't quite know what that means just yet. Ford is still in the announcement mode. And now over these next two months, we're gonna start to see the details really be hammered out.
1: Yeah, I was surprised. I definitely heard you know a little bit of resistance or some acknowledgement that this was a, a change that would traditionally be resisted. But I also talked to a, I heard from at least one dealer who said, you know, if you think back more than a couple of years, dealers often didn't make money on new vehicles. And so if they could be guaranteed some sort of margin or payment, you know, for delivering a vehicle with good customer service, maybe that's not a bad economic model.
2: And I spoke with Andrew Frick, who used to head Ford sales. He now has a different title under the Ford Blue division. But still basically the, the same job, same interaction with the dealers that he's, as he's had in the past. And he said, Yeah, Ford will definitely, you know, bake in a certain profit margin for dealers. They need to make money on these vehicles. And that they want to still give them some type of agency over setting the price. They just don't want you know all these hidden fees, so to speak, or, or these unexpected charges to crop up on a customer's bill that they weren't expecting. So that's the non-negotiable part that they're looking at. Obviously, the details still aren't fleshed out. They're going to be working through what exactly that all means. But that's sort of what Ford's thinking. They just want to avoid kind of some of the negative stuff that's popped up on vehicles like Lightning or even gas vehicles like Bronco and Mach-E, where all of a sudden you have bills that are have 10, 20, $30,000 ADMs on them.
1: Yeah, that's that's an unpleasant shock for for consumers, but regardless of the you know sort of the economics and the the business function of selling these cars, there's the matter of you know selling them uh, <laughs> uh, the, and explaining them to customers, getting them to understand what they're buying, and making sure they're going to be happy with it. You had a story in this week's paper about. Uh, Ford's plans to develop an intensive training program for dealership staff. What's what's happening with that?
2: Yeah, I characterize it as a novel concept. And I know the idea of product training for dealers is not novel, but I think this one is in terms of its scope and in terms of its branding, they want to call this electric university and they essentially want to bring dealership staff from around the country into Dearborn uh, multi-day experience really, really deep dive into everything EV. I heard all this from Tim Hovick, Ford's dealer council chairman, who is helping to craft this program with Ford. Now, to be clear, we talked about this before a couple of weeks ago, before Ford announced the big division split within the company. So it remains to be seen how that may affect, you know, who is invited and when this right. gets into effect. Uh, but essentially they want to, better educate their dealers. And Tim straight up said, we need to get smarter about selling EVs. We need to be able to easily explain to the customer all the advantages it has over a gas powered vehicle, all the stuff you can do with it, even beyond the drive experience. And that really gets into the bi-directional charging, things like the F-150 Lightning powering a home or a work site, something like that. And he said, we need to be able to answer every single question a customer might have. And we can't do that right now. So Ford will bring in a bunch of partners, supposedly, whether it's people talking about charging or people talking about, again, that power type of generation with the bi-directional charging with the vehicles uh, to really explain it to the dealers so they can go out and explain it to the buyers.
1: You know, it's funny you, like you said, you'd done this reporting, you know, before the show and um, but while we were there, then the NADA itself announced kind of a similar program with the idea you know, to train the dealers, to train their staff so that they can educate consumers about how these vehicles work and what's, you know, not only what the benefits are, but just the real practical, you know, how do you charge them? How do you care for them? What are the special needs and use cases for an electric vehicle? You know, I think this is top of mind for every brand
2: because this is a pretty profound shift that the industry is undergoing pretty quickly, right? We're seeing this wave of EVs come online, you know, even dating back a couple of years now, and over the next few years, we're gonna have a lot more. And the customers still may not know that much about what's suddenly gonna be a, a very uh, out there, very dominant option for them to purchase.
1: Uh, there's no doubt. That people buying EVs in 2025 are going to know less about the technology than the people who bought them in 2015 or 2019, because we're getting past those early adopters, the technophiles, the um, you know pe- people who define themselves by having the coolest, newest kind of car, uh, to you know mainstream families with busy lives that don't revolve around <laughs> uh, studying new car technology So uh, I think that's it's going to be something that really does fall on the retailer uh, to do the educating and to do it right. 100% makes a lot of sense. So back to the make meeting, you also broke some news about Ford, they're now planning to start shipping and selling vehicles with less than all of their computer chips Isn't that an idea they already rejected?
2: Well, you know, this is something that I think you've seen some other brands do and that Ford has at the time said it wasn't planning on it. I'm thinking specifically of General Motors uh, taking out heated seats, which is a pretty popular feature. Uh, We spoke with Jim Farley shortly after that announcement was made, and he said that Ford wouldn't have to do that the way it was set up. But now... They're sort of readjusting their strategy a bit because right now things aren't that great from an inventory standpoint and probably sound like a broken record, but there are no cars on dealer lots and (laughs) Ford plants keep going down. uh, Seems like one or two or three every week and they're losing production because this chip shortage is still affecting uh, them particularly hard and the rest of the industry too. So Ford's saying, how can we get these vehicles out to customers more quickly and keep them from piling up all around our plants. I've been plenty of reporting on high-profile vehicles like Bronco just sitting in a lot near the plant, waiting for chips. Customers are upset about that. So Ford figured that they can take out some non-safety critical functions. One example is in the Ford Explorer. They're going to take out the rear seat heating and air conditioning control unit, and they're going to get those vehicles sold, get them into customers' hands, and they can drive those vehicles. It's not affecting uh, their safety. It's more of a cosmetic feature. And then at a later date, a dealer will get the part, the chip, whatever is necessary, and they can install that back in the vehicle, have the customer bring it back and install it for free.
1: Will the customers who have to wait 6 to 12 months to get their rear heated seats Will they get, you know, uh, cash? Will they get a a water bottle or something?
2: (laughs) I was told there will be a price reduction. So the way it sounded, and again, you know, maybe maybe there'll be a catch there, but the way it sounded is if they purchase the Explorer now, it would be at a a reduced price and then they get the part installed for free. Uh, So there may even be a deal there uh, the way it was explained to me. But it's certainly, uh, you know, a a new strategy for them. Last year, uh, for example, with the F-150, they just eliminated auto start stop on some of the trucks to get them out to customers. So kind of similar, but different in that they just got rid of a feature versus, you know, waiting to install at a later date. Uh, But again, this just speaks to the situation for it and the rest of the industry is in right now.
1: And... With the shortage of chips, it seems like maybe a part of it's because of Ukraine or concerns about potentially the the war in Ukraine in the future, you know, limiting supplies of neon, which are needed for processing and and, um, etching the, the chips. But it looks like, you know, Ford is facing even more production delays.
2: Yeah, that's right. Things aren't that great. Again, right now, a lot of plant downtime, a uh, lot of uh, truck plant downtime, even. So for F series, that should really be, you know, some of its highest priorities, given the, the popularity of that and the, the necessity of that vehicle for uh, commercial and fleet customers as well. Um, you know, Ford's essentially telling dealers, it'll be pushing back allocation and we're looking at the late May timeframe uh, to be clear, they're still building vehicles and they're still doing their best to get dealers stock units as well as, you know, customer order units that have already been placed. But it's going to be a little bit of rough going here for at least the next two or three months.
1: Yeah, it's it's frustrating for manufacturers because they I think most of them thought this would this year over the course of the year, things would get at least back to full production. If not fully stocked, and now you know I've interviewed Jonathan Smoke from Cox Automotive at the at NADA, and he's saying they're looking at 2024 or 2025, which is just um, really <laughs> anxiety-provoking.
2: <laughs> you you, you <laughs> wonder yeah, you wonder if Ford may have to uh, you know come out with some uh, updated forecasts. At the beginning of the year, they said they saw this lasting through the first half of the year um, but again to, to Jonathan's point you know a lot of folks are seeing this through the full year and if not longer. If
1: never a dull moment on the Ford beat. Michael thanks for keeping on top of it all.
2: Appreciate it thanks so much.
1: That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. You can get all the news on EVs, the shifting retail landscape, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Thanks to Nathan Kadick for editing today's show Thanks to the ANTV team and web editor Victor Galvan for their help. And thanks to you for listening and making this show part of your daily routine. Now let's all get back to work.